Hello everyone, my name is Andy Spiteri, and I'm the host of the ZeldaCast, and the Omega Metroid Podcast, and Virtual Theater. As you can tell, I really love podcasting. After almost six years of the ZeldaCast, five years of Virtual Theater, and four years of the Omega Metroid Podcast, I swore that I would never make another podcast, but here I am today, excited to announce not one, not two, but three extra bonus shows that you can get each month on my newly reimagined Patreon channel, available at patreon.com forward slash spnet. You'll have your choice of bonus shows, depending on which tiers you choose to sign up for. Each podcast has its own monthly bonus show. The ZeldaCast will have the ZeldaCast Top 10s, where we can have some fun and give out a classic ranking on different topics each month with a different guest. Omega Metroid will continue with the Great Metroid Area Ranking, where we are ranking every single area in the Metroid series. And Virtual Theater will debut the Spiteri's Review, a show where my wife and I will give some thoughts on movies or shows old and new. There's also an ultimate tier that will get you access to all of these bonus shows if you really want to take your Spiteri podcasting to the next level. If that isn't enough, all shows feature a level of interactivity where patrons can weigh in and vote on which topics, shows, and areas we discuss next. Membership starts at as little as $1 a month, so I'm hoping you'll check out all the great bonus content that's going to be coming your way on patreon.com forward slash spnet. Whatever your bonus show of choice, I want to thank you for listening, and I hope to be able to see you over at patreon.com forward slash spnet. Spiteri, joined by Allison Aletha. What's up, Al? How is it going? I'm convinced that... I'm good, by the way, but I'm convinced that every time we start the show and you gear up to do the intro, your goal is to make me, like, crack or say something before you actually do the... and mess up the intro. Because you're always doing something crazy before the intro. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story, actually. And we're going to get to Zelda here. We have a great show here, but I'm going to tell you a story. So over... On our Patreon channel, which you can, by the way, uh, subscribe to over on patreon.com forward slash spnet. Um, so my, my wife and I have uh, a new podcast where we review movies or whatever. And so I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, get her more comfortable with the idea, get her into it and whatever. And so I'm like, I'm like, you know, babe, you, you should do the intro. And she's like, okay, okay. So we go to do the Twilight episode and <laughs> we're like... We're already, we're kind of laughing, we're in the zone or whatever, and I'm like, okay, let's get serious and do the intro. And she's like, okay. So it takes her, like, a minute to compose herself. She's like, hi, my name's Sam, and you're watching this Pateri's Review, or whatever. And she's like, I'm Sam, and instead of me being like, I'm Andy, I did my, like, greatest Austin Powers, like, yeah, baby! Like, as loud as I could. <laughs> and we had to, like, stop recording for, like, 15 minutes as we <laughs> composed ourselves. That's a long way to say, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Al. I love it. Poor uh, Sam. Yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, yeah. She said hi, by the way. Oh, hi. <laughs> All right. 
uh, yeah, let, let's talk about Legend of Zelda here today. Um, and, and we are going to talk about Legend of Zelda. We've got a lot to talk about um, today, specifically about the upcoming Legend of Zelda movie. And um, I, I'm really actually excited about this because I feel very, like, I, I think that, like, the Zelda movie to me is just, like, so fascinating and, uh, and, like, I, I'm, like, a movie guy, like, obviously, like, I have virtual theater and, and all that kind of stuff, but, like, I, I really just think, like, there's so many ways that this Zelda movie could go, good, bad, in, in the middle, um, there's so many, like, interesting choices, interesting directions that I just, I really think it's fascinating, and, and also, it's, like, it's the first ever Nintendo live-action movie, which is also just, like, in, incredibly fascinating to me as well so I'm, I'm really excited to to talk a little bit more about that movie today and kind of dive a little bit deeper in and um and talk about what potentially we could be seeing from this zelda movie and it's worth mentioning we're going to be basing what uh, we are talking about today off of multiple writers uh for our zelda dungeon writing team who all kind of came together and uh and created this really really awesome feature that was released about a week ago um, it's called Dreams for the Silver Screen, our Zelda movie pitches. So I thought it'd be fun if we could go through these pitches and then um, and then go back and, you know, kind of give our, our two cents. And I have to back up and correct myself because so, somebody absolutely just called me out in, the, in our chat, which is uh, correct. Um, the first ever live action movie was, was, of course, one of my favorite movies ever, the Super Mario Bros. movie. Let me rephrase. It's the first live action Nintendo movie in the modern era. But if you've never seen the Mario Bros. Uh, 93 movie or you haven't seen it in a while, you should do yourself a favor and go watch it because it's awesome. Trust the fungus. Trust the fungus. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, we've got a whole bunch of, of plot pitches that, that I'll kind of read through and, and give Cole's notes here and uh, and whatnot. And, and we'll kind of give our two cents on them. And, and I guess that we should say, Al, right off the top here is, like, it takes a lot of, like, guts and a lot of creativity to to make a pitch at all right so like even if we don't like it and we don't agree with it um we're obviously we're we're still giving a lot of flowers for these writers for even coming up with anything right to Mm -hmm. to uh come up with this kind of pitch and then um yeah we'll kind of maybe maybe we at the end we can see pick out the things that we like things that we don't like and and put into one big stew and then come up with our own pitches or or ideas to add on top of other ideas well we'll kind of play it by ear but yeah I, i'm uh, i'm excited for this i'm excited too and i think like even if we say we're not we don't agree with an idea or whatever it's honestly so up in the air that it doesn't matter anybody's idea could be it you know could be the magic stew as you said that is yes. gonna be the zelda movie so like any like the fact that people are still, like, they have ideas in their head of what could be or what they want it to be is, like, incredible because we're in that time right now where we literally have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I just, like, I feel like it's so fascinating, like, when you just look at this because, like, you know, I, I would be extremely fascinated if there was any live-action Nintendo movie. But, I mean, Zelda's got to take the cake of, like, the most absolutely interesting mm-hmm. possible series that you could possibly get. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to just dive in and, and start talking about this. And, and once again, I just want to make uh, very clear one, you should go check this article out on ZeldaDungeon.net. but two really, really like creative pitches, really good ideas from all of our uh, writing staff as, as we all know, I mean, we've got the best writing staff in, in the business, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, 
we'll see what we agree with and we'll see what we don't agree with. And one question that I think that we should answer, because I'm not sure where it's going to fall into this, if at all. But we had a great question. Um, and actually, I think this is a harder question than maybe we might think here. But um, somebody asked us, do we think Movie Link will wear classic green or like the modern blue in uh, in the movie? Hmm. That's a good question. I kind of feel like... <sighs> Oh, wow, this is hard. I kind it of is feel hard. like when you think about other movies, and I think a lot of movies that are mentioned in this are the Super Mario Bros. movie and Sonic the Hedgehog. It's like they do look like they're very iconic character. They Like in the Sonic movies, they talk about his red sneakers. In the Mario movies, they look like the plumbers, and they got their colors going. And so it's like super specific to their iconic look. So I, I feel like... Nintendo will be smart and like keep the iconic look, but probably modernize it a little bit. I guess depending on what, how the movie looks. Like, yeah. if Link is going to be a knight, then I think he'll have like kind of armor, but he'll have like the green dew going on. Yeah, I think that's about right. I, I think like um, you're going to see Link put on. I, I think it's going to be green, but I, I don't think he's going to have a hat. I, I think it's going to be like imagine Breath of the Wild Link, but with like a, a green version of the champion's tunic instead uh -huh. of like blue and maybe yeah. like brown pants or something like that like more maybe. more dark brown or, or white or whatever right i think it's going to be that so it's going to be a classic look but modernized I, I would imagine that like like for example like think of uh think of the dark knight rises for example like catwoman and bane they kind of look like their comic book counterparts but like kind of not like they look enough like where you'd recognize them but not enough mm -hmm. where it's like a one for one and i think that's going to kind of be how the characters in this uh, movie look so I I would suspect that you're gonna see like green tunic link no hat and I I would suspect also that that's probably not gonna be towards the tail end of the movie I bet you I love it I love it when uh, a daredevil does this on Netflix where like the hero earns their their uniform mm, towards yeah. the end of the show I love that so if link kind of earns that tunic towards the end or the champion's tunic I think that would be awesome yeah I think um I think, like, the, you're right, like, the first season of Daredevil, like, like that released way back when, he didn't yeah. get his, like, he didn't get his costume until, like, the last episode or something Either like that, right? Either second or last episode. It was second really late, and it, yeah. and it was cool, because you're like, oh, yeah! It was yeah. cool as hell, yeah, it was and, so And good. you know what? It's worth mentioning, too, uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie, the classic released in 1993, that did the same thing. Mario and Luigi didn't have the, the red and blue and green and blue until basically the end of the movie when they went into King Koopa's HQ. Mm -hmm. so yeah. I, I think that that's going to be the same thing that uh, that is going to happen here, but um, okay, well let's uh, let's get going here, and maybe I don't know, well maybe we could take turns because I I don't want, I don't think anybody wants to just hear me rattle off uh, all these pitches in a row here. So yeah, are so, we just are we going to read them? Um, yeah, I, I think that we can kind of read them and, and skim them a little bit here. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's just kind of get started here. So this is from yeah. Sean, uh, and Sean is always coming in clutch with with awesome ideas. As as anybody that listened last week to our daily debate episode probably already knows, um, this is called the Heroes Quest makes movie magic, and uh, and I'm, yeah, I'll kind of skim it here for you. While the last two Zelda games have sidelined Princess Zelda in frustrating ways, there is no better time to let Zelda shine than by making her the protagonist of the upcoming film. I envision a film that would take place in a version of Hyrule that has been recently conquered by Ganondorf. Digging that. Kind of have mm -hmm. some Ocarina of Time vibes. Mm -hmm. um, 
With the help of Link, Zelda was able to escape Ganondorf, but the Great King of Evil's forces are searching far and wide to, to capture her, and the movie would be built around Zelda's quest to locate and reunite with Link. Interwoven with Zelda's quest in the present would be flashbacks that explore Link and Zelda's relationship, whether romantic, platonic, something in between, as well as events that lead up to their separation. Um, so yeah, the film would be about Zelda's dangerous journey across the beautiful and haunting world of Hyrule, and it would take our heroine across several different regions or areas of Hyrule. There would be a series of smaller scale battles and some encounters with monsters to make the film exciting. Uh, Zelda could be traveling with a small group of loyal followers, so you pick whoever you want. And uh, ultimately, the uh, the film is going to conclude, as you would imagine, with Link and Zelda teaming up against Ganondorf to reclaim Hyrule. Um, so I, I, I obviously went very, very high level and uh, in grays, so there's a lot more information in the pitch. Again, I really encourage everybody to read the article for themselves. On the... Uh, that, that's a very, like, it's a very daring pick, though, to to obviously make... Like, I think Zelda's going to be a primary character in the movie, as she should. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that anyone is, is thinking that she's going to be, like, the main, main character, you know? Like, I think, for better or for worse, a lot of us, including myself, kind of have expectations where she might almost be, like, like a, a Princess Peach-level character, like, in the new Super Mario Bros. movie. Which isn't a bad spot, because, like, Peach, for what... You know, she wasn't a passenger in that movie. Like, she was right. pretty cool, but... Yeah, I don't know. Your thoughts? Um, I mean, I dig it. I think it's really important that Sean is also noting that he would kind of get rid of, like, a lot of established mythology as long as the characters have good development. So he's like, we don't need secret zones, we don't need sages, as long as, like, the story is exciting and Princess Zelda, you know, is the protagonist and has development, etc. Which I kind of agree with in a way, but I feel like that kind of goes against what a lot of people would assume a Zelda movie is going to have is, like, the established mythology. Like, when I picture... The Zelda movie, I picture that they're going to have a scene talking, like, that's very similar to Ocarina of Time, talking about the three goddesses, how they came to Earth, and, you know, created the Triforce. I 100% think that we should have a scene like that. So, I may not agree with that point that Sean's making, but I like the idea where he's saying that Zelda would be the protagonist, and she has to kind of find Link, save Link, and then they team up. Kind of like the opposite of what we have in the games, because it would put a fresh twist on the series. Yeah, I, I... I like I like his twist or I like his idea and and there's some parts that I don't love specific, specifically to what you just said like I'll actually do you one better I almost think that like the film should just open you know how Lord of the Rings opens with like Gladriel just explaining Gladiel, yeah. the world yeah yeah have the film open with like the great Deku tree narrating the basically the exact same scene that he tells Link in Ocarina of Time with mm-hmm. like the three goddesses and they built the world and maybe maybe you can modernize it a bit because uh you could put Hylia in there i don't think Hylia was a big thing back in Ocarina of times days so yeah. like you you can maybe put that in and i think it would be like kind of cool to also pick from skyward sword to weave in the fact that like zelda's Hylia. but I, I would i would include that mythology but at the same time i i do think i do think that there's value in just like wiping the slate clean and just like this is our continuity this is what we have going on and we're not like bound or constricted by anything that the games have have or haven't said you know what i mean mm-hmm. so I, I do think that there's value in that too to a certain extent but i also think you you want to be careful with that because you you do want to give fans like something that yeah you know I, mean? I feel like i agree with what you're saying if they do wipe this like clean it gives them a lot of creative like um opportunities opportunity thank you um and so they could do kind of whatever they want but i do think that there is specific there are specific things in the Zelda series that one has come to expect 
from yeah. the Zelda series. So I feel like you should have those in a way. I feel like you could still kind of do whatever you want with them. The Triforce is very ambiguous. The biggest thing is that it's a big, powerful object. If you have all three, you can make a wish. But you can kind of do what you want with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, as far as starring Zelda, I, I do like that idea. But I don't know if I like that idea for like the first ever Zelda movie. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like I, I think I'd rather have more of a parody between Link and Zelda. Like, because I think ultimately, like Link is Link is your main character in Zelda, and I think that he should probably act as such. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't want Zelda to have like some goofy role where she gets captured or she gets like minimalized or trivialized by by something. You know what I mean? Just like kind of lame, mm -hmm. like. I do want to see them working together. And the great thing about the movie version is, like, you can have the two of them basically as a team going at, you know, fighting evil and stuff like that. Whereas in the movie, yeah. or in the games, excuse me, it is a little bit tougher to have, like, a companion character and, like, what does this character do, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that that is going to work to the film's advantage of, of making Zelda and Link seem, like, more, like, equals. I, I don't think that you need to split them up necessarily, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still waiting for that like game that shows the the missing seven years between when Link went to sleep and woke up in Ocarina of Time. I mean, I yeah, that could be an amazing game still that uh, that mm -hmm. I'd still love to see. So yeah. Um. Okay. Well, should we? Should I let you? I I feel like I've yacked enough here, Al. You want to take us yeah. away with the next one? Let's move on to the next one. It's called, or the the title of this portion is called "Established: An Epic Saga with Some Character Chemistry," and this is from Heather Beard who is like an art director and a writer with our group. And Heather mostly is saying that she struggles with coming up with ideas because she doesn't want to set her expectations too high so she isn't disappointed later. But she um, has had game, video games movies like Sonic the Hedgehog and the Super Mario Bros. movie um, exceed her expectations and they were amazing. So she's hoping that the Zelda movie is great. She says... The legend as we know it spans the entire history of Hyrule, and I would love to see the Zelda movie in an established world where the deeper parts of the legend as we know it come to life. It would be great to see Link as a boy in Ocarina of Time or even in his humble beginnings from Twilight Princess. I'd love to see the knight and princess's relationship grow and blossom to something more like in Breath of the Wild. I would love to see some deep character building set against the growing threat of Ganondorf. And I, um, let's see, she goes on to say, when I think about The Legend of Zelda as a movie, I cannot help but think about epic sagas like The Lord of the Rings and how each is a great movie in their own right while telling one giant story. I hope the Zelda movie sets up like that. I want to see a giant story that cannot be told in one film, a great epic to introduce those that might not have heard of The Legend of Zelda and encourage them to pick up a controller and explore more. So that's kind of what Heather's hoping for. It's very vague it is but very i vague. i get where she's coming from like it is hard to come up with ideas because you're like "Ooh, i could have a really cool idea and a really exciting prospect but what if they don't do that what if they don't yeah go in any direction that i want and i would be disappointed yeah you know and, and i think that like you don't necessarily have to have like a, a plot pitch or anything you could just say things that you want to see or certain elements that you want to see so mm -hmm. i i agree that being said i i don't know if I particularly like any of those ideas that that Heather laid out, and I'm sorry, Heather, I love you, but uh, I I'm not particularly interested in seeing Link as like a, a young boy. Like I don't want to see young Link. Um, I think you could do that movie potentially, but like 
I think if you're going to do that movie, make an Illumination Toon Link movie instead. That, that seems mm-hmm. more fun to me. So I don't know if I love that. I definitely don't want anything that resembles the opening of Twilight Princess. We all know what, we all know the word to describe that. I'm not even going to say mean, it. Cinematically, like obviously you don't like how miserable yes. it is. But like cinematically, I, I enjoy it. Sure. I just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got too much, I've got too much like PTSD about the opening of that and hurting ghosts <laughs> a bunch of times. Aww. Um. Yeah, you know, like, I think that uh, there's a couple things that I don't know if I particularly want. I yeah, I don't really know if I want the movie version of Link and Zelda to, like, tease a romance or not. I, I think it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we need that. I think that, and if we're going to do that, like, I don't think it has to be done in the first Zelda movie. That being said, I, I do... I guess, like, I, I, I kind of agree in, in a way that, like, obvious, obviously, like, yes, we want the, the Zelda movie to be, like, this amazing experience that, that ideally is on par with Lord of the Rings, the greatest movies ever made. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that, like, if you are just, like, I want the Zelda movie and the thing that I'm going to compare it to and base it off of is the greatest movie trilogy and greatest three movies ever made. I think you're setting yourself up for a little bit of disappointment right there already. So I, I guess I would just say that, but the, but the idea that you want a similar kind of idea or structure rather is, is great. I, I do think that like the, the Zelda movie should be very self-contained. Like I, and I think that you can have like a, a teaser for a sequel or something like that, but like, make make the story make this movie as if you're never going to make another zelda movie ever you know what i mean like like Mm -hmm. don't don't do none of this like shared universe whatever business like just make one awesome movie maybe you could put a small tease in at the end for a sequel and if the sequel happens great and if it doesn't then you've at least got like one really solid zelda movie that um that you can be proud of and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. The Sonic movies actually did that really well, where it's like a very self-contained movie, and then like if you do stay for the end credits, they have in the first one they have a little scene that's like, okay, there's potentially a second movie, and then they did the same exact thing in the second movie, which they have confirmed that the third movie is coming out this December, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think that would be acceptable. Where I agree, it should be more of a con- self-contained story, and then like yeah, if you plan if you think that this is going to do so well that you plan on making a sequel then yeah give a little hint if you want to can we take a quick sidebar here al for for a second Mm -hmm. we were having in the omega metroid discord uh the other day we're having a big debate about the second sonic movie the sequel yeah i think it kind of stinks what do you think i thought it was okay i think i like the first better Hmm. but i i really enjoy knuckles as a little he's so goofy like because, i don't know he's just like following what he thinks is right and then in the end he's like yeah oh being kind and soft is actually good and I, even though i'm a strong hardened warrior and I, it's just funny i just really like knuckles but overall the movie sign i did think that the end was pretty epic where we got gold sonic i thought that was super cool See, that, i, I like love that moment You didn't like that at all i actually thought the second movie was like fine enough up until the end and it just like it gave me like like mid mid to early 2000 like cgi spam vibes you know what i mean like okay like i was like this is too much it's too much you know what's funny is i felt like the mario bros movie did the same thing with the 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 star at the end and i was like i was like i don't know if i'm feeling that because i thought the the gold sonic was really cool but the the invincibility star with mario i was like "Eh, i don't know yeah (laughs) i I see what you're saying like i i liked it at the end of the mario movie but but i 
I, I can't sit here and critique Sonic for doing that and then not call out Mario as well. I, I agree with yeah. you. Um, yeah. Interesting, yeah. We have a virtual theater episode, uh, by the way, on all three, so, uh, the two Sonic movies and the Mario movies, so you should, uh, you should check there you it go. out. Um, yeah. Okay, this is from uh, Josh, and this is a this is a cool pitch. Uh, utilize the official timeline, lore, and more. So here we go. Um, this is a, this is a, this got like a full on name and everything for this. So this, this pitch is called the legend of Zelda. Um, how, how do you say that? schism? Schism. Schism. I didn't want to, but- didn't want to butcher that schism <laughs> of loyalty. I, I don't know if you want to use the word schism. I'm going to be honest with you there. Cause you're going to have schlups <laughs> like me. They're like schism. What? Um, but yeah, so here we go. So Josh wants to see the movie explore elements only touched upon in more recent games and, uh, in fact, goes on to say that, like, um, this should be set in the era of the wild. So Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. And, um, yeah, this, you know, another another good idea that I think is, uh, Josh is presenting here. I think a Zelda movie would benefit best from having little to no A-list actors as it might take mm-hmm. away from the magic of the movie. So really quickly, I want to interject there. I, I agree but but I kind of disagree. I think that you want to have, like, your main characters not have, like, A-list actors. But I think, like, Ganondorf, that's where you maybe want to have, like, someone with presence and someone that mm-hmm. with, like, a name kind of thing, you know? Yeah, because I do I, – I hate that it is this way, but you do know that names bring audience. So, like, if you yeah. have – if you have an actor like Idris Elba play Ganondorf, like people are going to be like, oh, sick, it's Idris playing Ganondorf. I'm going to mm. go see that movie. You know, so there's that. But then I also agree with what they're, with what uh, Josh is saying is that it's hard when you're watching a movie because I totally do this with my sister yeah. or show and you're like, what have, what have, where have I seen them before? What have they done? Who were they before? Oh, they were Harry Potter or uh, Peter Parker or whatever. Yeah. You know, then it kind of does take away from what you're watching. It does kind of take you out of the realm of what you're watching. So I, I agree with that, at least. Um, all right. So so the pitch of uh, Schism of Loyalty here is that, uh, as I said, this movie takes place in the era of the wild and uh, the film provides lore context regarding the creation of the Yiga, the absence of the Triforce in the in the Wild Era, and the mystery behind certain locations in current day Hyrule. So this is going to be set thousands of years before the Calamity, which showcase the friction between the royal family and the Sheikah tribe described in Breath of the Wild, causing the split from the latter and would eventually become the Yiga clan. Ganondorf would be notably absent from this story, leaving the opportunity for the return and reimagining of old villains, as well as introduction to new ones. The movie would have Link and whoever is in his party exploring thoughtful dungeons in a linear fashion similar to a traditional Zelda model. Link wouldn't speak, but that would have a new companion akin to Navi or Fee, who does the talking on his behalf. Meanwhile, the Princess Zelda of this time would uh, would look feverishly for trust and understanding in a world turned on its head, hoping to keep the power vacuum from being filled by malevolent forces. Um, your thoughts, and then I'll give mine. Um, I do kind of like the idea of, like, the royal family falling and Zelda having to, um, you know, kind of come back from that and figure out what to do as a result of that. I do also really like the idea of showing the creation of the Yiga clan, but we do know that the Yiga clan's ultimate goal is to revive Ganondorf, or the Demon King, as they know him in the era, right. the era of the wild. Um, so they could be off doing their own thing, but I also like the idea of, um, having a different kind of villain come in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is a fun pitch and 
Uh, I worry about having dungeons, though, like multiple dungeons in a linear fashion, because I don't think there's enough screen time for it. Yeah, I, I don't think that this pitch works as a, as a movie, to be to be honest. Um, I, I think it works as a game, but but mm-hmm. not as a movie. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, you just touched on it. Like, dungeons are... Those are going to be tough. Like, I think that you can have action set pieces that, that are basically like dungeons. Like, kind of think like the Mines of Moria. Or a really good example is we just watched the, the first Lara Croft Tomb Raider over on Virtual mm-hmm. Theater. And, like, they, they go to literal dungeons and, like, there's, there's these fairly cool action sequences but i mean like you, you you can't have like multiple like you can have like god maybe three like one at one in the middle one in the climax and one somewhere else you know what i mean like yeah it's you, you can't litter the whole movie with with dungeons if this is mm-hmm. like a, a series yeah you, you might be able to get away with that but um that i i don't think is is gonna work super well and and i i just i don't think that there's any way that they can have link not talk in this movie i just i don't think that that's gonna happen and i think that we should all just get ready for it now you can have him kind of limit his dialogue which which works well for like i mean like john wick right like john wick barely says anything in that movie he only talks when he needs to and i I think you could replicate that another good example is ryan gosling and drive like he only talks when he needs to and Mm -hmm. and i think you can do that but i i don't know if you want i I just i don't think you can have a silent link I, i really don't I don't either, and to to point out, I don't think, like, we see a silent link because we're he's supposed to be our avatar into the game, but he actually talks a lot in the series. We just don't hear him. Yeah. We always see him explaining stuff to other characters, especially in Skyward Sword, in the, uh, the Switch Zeldas. So he does talk, so we know he does. And, like, right. Zelda has even touched on him talking in the Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom a little bit, too. So I don't think it's realistic to have him not talk in the movies mm-hmm. um and then i also had a thought about like the dungeons the way i kind of see it is i tend to think about indiana jones a little bit when it comes to like movie dungeons like say say somebody comes to link and is like hey you need to help zelda i already got this piece from this one dungeon which they do to indiana jones and then they guide him to the second dungeon which you need the second piece and then they guide him to the final area which is the final yeah. dungeon that's yeah. how I kind of see that working in a way that's not boring or doesn't take up too much screen time. Yeah, and I and I think that's fine. I think that's probably the ideal. Like in my own head, like I would I would imagine like you maybe at the very beginning of the movie, like you have your intro and then you meet Link and he goes and does like like a great Deku Tree dungeon or something like that, and he mm-hmm. he finds his his destiny is revealed to him, and they're they're like you got to go and do whatever. Maybe at the, like the halfway point or or later. He goes into his second dungeon, which is like the Temple of Time. And, hey, here's the Master Sword. That's what I get from doing this dungeon. Great. Mm-hmm. And then you go to your third dungeon, which is the climax of the movie, which is like Ganon's Castle or something like mm-hmm. that. That's yeah. kind of like a, a, a scenario I could envision happening. Um, or a- you could also do like a montage. Like, I'm thinking the yeah. road to El Dorado when they're following the map in the different locations. You can have kind of like a montage of, oh, he's in the forest temple and the Dagobabas are trying to eat him oh he's in the fire temple he's about to fall into lava like you could kind of do something like that too you know what you, you could yeah and I was kind of thinking about that but then I was like does that just make me like like just want to see like the full du- you know what I mean like it, like it's almost like I'd rather either they do it like have all the dungeons or like don't have any of them kind of thing which mm-hmm. which is just like a very personal like me kind of take obviously like I, I think that they could do that though you're right 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've even talked about that before on on the show. Um, there's there's a couple other things that I want to touch on really quick before we move on. And, and it sounds like we're kind of dumping on this pitch, but I, I honestly think it sounds like an awesome Zelda game. Just not, I, I don't think it's going to translate well to a movie. And, and one other thing that I think that you just want to be very, very careful of, and, and I personally wouldn't do, I wouldn't tie anything, like any lore, any connections in my movie to like official game lore. You can take inspiration from it, but but again, like I, I always reference the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't concerned with like what the current Batman comics had going on in them, but it took the best elements and made its own continuity. And I would beg and plead the Zelda movie to do the same thing because if you try and fit this thing in the box of like the the official like Zelda timeline and lore and, and whatever, it's it's just gonna oh, be I see a, what you're saying. a dog's okay, yeah, breakfast, yeah, yeah. you know. You can take those elements, like you can still have all those elements and use them as framework for your own like world, but like. I, I don't think you want to take the movie and like slot it into the Zelda canon for games as we know. Right. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. I rather if the movie like is, I have two concepts in my head where it, it either will follow a game like Ocarina of Time or Skyward Sword. That's a little bit more like mm. has the properties to be cinematic or you have your own kind of entity. It doesn't need to fit in with the games, but you still have like the, the lore that you've established, like the Triforce yeah. and the Royal family, etc. This article is huge. We might not have enough time to cover all of it. We might have to break this down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Well, let's uh, let's keep going here and talk about the next pitch. Uh, and I guess you're up. Let's do it. This is from Alexis Anderson, called "Fan Favorite Callbacks and a Fantastical Setting for the Win." Alexis says. Um, I really hope that the that the movie is steeped in Zelda lore and Easter eggs. My biggest problem with the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie was that it was super generic alien storyline, and even the fantastical elements of it, Sonic being raised by a big owl, were not based in the lore of the games. In that case, it felt like no one who cared about the games was in the room making decisions, and the character was just window dressing that to ensnare a built-in audience. This is disrespectful. <laughs> I love that. Like, like, let's stop there for a second because yeah. I feel like that's important. I see what she's saying. I, I guess it depends on like what the goal of this movie is, right? Like, I mm. think that the goal, like this first Sonic movie, it's a fine movie. It's you know, it's not great. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's probably better than I thought it was going to be. And I think it was very accessible. And I think that like that's important because like, you know, once once you make something accessible, you can bring in a larger audience to it. So like if the goal of the Zelda movie is to be accessible, then I don't know. I think that they could probably do a lot worse than following the Sonic one blueprint. But I think, I think it's going to be like a lot like the Mario movie, like lots of Easter eggs, lots of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like, I don't want it to be like too, again, like I don't want it to be like too hand, hand tied by all like the, the lore canon whatever of the, of the series because like there's there's a lot there and like frankly the games don't even concern themselves with what's going on from game to game right like so yeah why why should the i movie... mean i get what alexis is saying here because and i won't pretend to know the lore of sonic the hedgehog but like yeah the whole thing where he was being raised by a big owl was very weird it was like what the yeah, heck? This yeah doesn't it was weird like yeah, but you do see him, like, kind of running on the big loops and in a land that looks similar to the games. The town is called the same thing as the first level of the Sonic games or whatever. So there is little connections like that. But there is stuff that I'm just like, why do that? You have, like, established mm-hmm. storytelling here. Just use it. 
you know? You can take it and draw inspiration from it and change it a little bit, but to change it to the way they did is so odd. Like, <laughs> so yeah. I kind of get what, what, what Alexis is saying here. Uh, all right, let's keep going here. Okay. In my mind, a great. Uh, this is taking me. I'm gonna sidebar for a second. This is taking me back to like middle school science class when our teachers would make us read a paragraph, and I would get nervous and like stumble over. Don't my mess tongue. up, Al. <laughs> I'm like, I need to read the paragraph ahead of time. I know I'm gonna read it later. <laughs> just be like me, just like word salad your way through it and get everything wrong. Just be like, oh, I don't know, I did my best. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry about that. In my mind, a great Zelda movie would depict Link both as precocious, spirited young lad and as a noble, compassionate adult. I hope it delves into some of the quirks of the various races in the games, perhaps the Gorons. I would particularly love to see the Zora, but given the recent rash of lukewarmly received, water-focused movies, and she lists Avatar, Aquaman, Black Panther, Black Panther, and The Little Mermaid, whoa, whoa, it's whoa, probably whoa. best to steer clear. Lukewarm received water movies? What? What? Everybody loved... Avatar Way of Water. Everybody loved that. Did they, though? It made, like, a <laughs> like a $2 billion. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, an awesome think, movie. Yeah, I think, um... I think we could do the Zora. I feel like... Oh, who was I referencing? Oh, I was referencing Star Wars. They got a lot of creatures in Star Wars that have, like, head, fin- head tails and stuff. And so I feel like the fins could be very doable for Zora if they use, like, inspiration from stuff like Star Wars. You know? You know, it just dawned on me that Alexis could be talking about your Avatar, actually. No, Avatar. She's saying water-focused movies. Avatar, The Last Airbender, isn't water-focused. That's just such a crazy... Black Panther (laughs) isn't water-focused? What? Is it? (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah, the second one has, like, a water element story. Yeah. They go underwater for a time. The sun god is from the water. Yeah. That that burns my craw more than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) That was sad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue. As for the plot, I think it would, I think it should start with a mission from the Deku Tree recounting how the big bad struck down a Minna-like companion who Link then meets partway into the journey. Alternatively, the companion would be Zelda in disguise. She says she would lose her mind if Sheik was in this movie. I do also hope there is a romance between Link and Zelda if they spend quality time together in the film. The duo as childhood friends who do not have a romance would also be nice, as that would establish how special they are to each other. I like the second option better. Um, yeah. As far as, like, romance or friendship goes. Yeah, I I, I think that would be fine. I, I think that would be fine. I guess, like, personally, I've, I've always kind of liked the idea more that, like, maybe these characters, like meet and like figure out that they're like both part of this like big destiny that's intertwined and even if they don't necessarily love each other at the beat like kind of what breath of the wild did i really like how breath of the wild handled that relationship like where zelda was like you know i don't want anything to do with this with this guy and eventually you kind of got there right i i really think that that could be replicated to really great extent on the big screen um i i just get nervous about shipping because i I, I worry about the if there's like a lack of chemistry i would want the actors to be able to have good chemistry and i would want it to make sense and not be forced like yeah i do like when you think about link and zelda from skyward sword totally makes sense totally 100 percent makes sense yeah when you think about zelda and link from breath of the wild i think it could get there i felt like it got there in tears of the kingdom for me but when you think about, like, Ocarina of Time, Link and Zelda, like, they don't spend a whole lot of time together. I don't really see it. Well, you know and, I mean? and I don't think that it tries to infer that they are anything more than, like, 
friends or colleagues, which which I think mm-hmm. is fine. Like I I agree with you. I I would be worried about shoehorning a romance in there. I I don't think it's necessary, but I I think that you could like go the breath of the wild route and like the, they could just be like you know I respect you and and we are equals. We're bound and like we're you know so, something more than like a romance. You know, just kind mm-hmm. of like a. I don't even know what the right word is. So I'm getting philosophical, but I love the idea of like platonic soulmates. I think that that's always a fun kind of gimmick in some in some kind of media where it's like it's so clear that they're meant to be like yeah. together, but it doesn't have to be romantic. It's like in wrestling, Al, when you have oh, like no. <laughs> when you have a wrestler, <laughs> let me give you an example, okay? Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been, like, tag team partners slash rivals for, like, the last 20 years. These guys are, like, bound to each other, right? And, like, sometimes they're friends, sometimes they're foes, but they, no matter what, it always seems like they're intertwined. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of like that for, like, in Zelda as well. Um, yeah. As for... Um, I, re- I like the idea of starting it with the Deku Tree. I, I mentioned that. I think that I would do the same thing, because I think the Deku mm-hmm. Tree is going to be a really, really great exposition machine for you. Yep, that makes a lot of sense to me as well. Um, finishing up what Alexis has to say here... Speaking of childhood, I like Link as either a nephew or child of the forest, but would rather he not have a grandma or sister like in The Wind Waker. I feel like Link having a more unorthodox upbringing gives him a mystique that helps me believe in him as an an extraordinary, unlikely hero, a diamond in the rough. This isn't the most coherent film pitch, but (laughs) there's just so much fantastic (laughs) content to pull from that I am overwhelmed and delighted with the possibilities. I I thought it was a great film pitch, actually, Alexis. I thought so, too, yeah. And, and like, again, like, you don't have to have, like... Except for the water, the the Avatar disc. (laughs) Horrible. We're going to have a talk, Alexis. Uh... Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I think like all the there's a lot of ingredients there that could make um, a great movie. Uh, like I would be fine with mostly everything. It, they wouldn't necessarily be like my first choice, but like if these elements were done and they were done correctly, I, I think it could be like I think it could be good. One thing that I would say is that I don't know, I don't know if you want to have a companion character like Midna in the first movie. I think you could get away with like Navi, who's just. It, like mm-hmm. kind of there but like kind of not you know what i mean like she navi is almost like toad in the movie where it's like kind of this like quirky companion character yeah, yeah. I, I feel like a midna or a fee or like a i don't know what's another even king of red lions is like those are like main characters in your story versus like kind of the side character that that navi is so i think mm-hmm. i think if you're gonna do a character like that maybe save it for a sequel but that's that that's just me you know what would make a good movie is um, a situation like Spirit Tracks where Zelda gets separated from her body and she's just kind of the companion for Link on their journey. Uh, I'd yeah. love it. You know what? That would that would make a good Illumination movie because I think that that's <laughs> awesome. like well, I'd like she could be like a little ghost that follows them around and is like, okay, well, this is what we got to do, and they can make it serious. But but I think like why would you like that? Just seems like such a fun quirky premise, and like I, I think Spirit Tracks would be far worse actually if it did make it serious. Like when I say make it an Illumination movie, that that's not like a bad thing. Like because I think right. there's I think there's room for like a a tonally kind of serious epic live action Zelda franchise, and also like your sillier Illumination Toon Link world where like you have your you know your your goofy Charm. stuff and the kid with the booger and stuff like that. Like I, I think that you can have the <laughs> yeah. best of both worlds there actually. Yeah. And Tingle and Illumination? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Um, okay, this is from Brandon, and I'm not surprised that Brandon has uh, selected a picture of Midna and Twilight Princess for his pitch. Uh, <laughs> big, big, big Twilight Princess fan, this uh, Brandon Schmitz. 
Um, all right, mature storytelling for a movie with a message is what Brandon says. And here we go. Brandon wants to go more than another commercial and draws from a recently released media to describe the direction he wants the Zelda movie to go. Um, so let's go. I'm, I'm trying to sum this up as best as I can. You're right. This is kind of hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever any entertainment property is adapted for another medium, the main hope for the majority of the fan base tends to be that the adaptation remains as faithful to the source material as possible. However, when adapting the film for film or when adapting for film or television, good storytelling should be priority number one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, no matter how much the piece adheres to the iconography of a particular series, it's all just fluff to me if the pathos or the pathos isn't there. Take last year's Last of Us TV series and the Super Mario Bros. movie, for example. Uh, both are among the most faithful video game to film TV adaptations to date, yet one worked for me significantly more than the other. Yes, I, again, I'm digging this so far. Um, despite capturing the visual and musical identity of the Mustache Plumber's adventures, I'm just going to read this whole thing because this is awesome. The Mario mm -hmm. movie seems more concerned with selling Nintendo Switch consoles and expanding the brand than telling a compelling story. Conversely, The Last of Us actually complements and in some cases improves upon the game that inspired it. That is a heck of a piece of analysis from Brandon. And like I was saying earlier, like it kind of depends on what the goal of this Zelda movie is. Because like if the Zelda movie is to expand the brand and like do that i i mean i think you could do both like i think you can have like really good storytelling while also expanding the brand but i think that mm -hmm. if your storytelling is really good then by virtue you're gonna be like people are gonna be like oh i want to check this out because i heard it was awesome and that's how you expand the brand so yeah i, I that's a great piece of uh yeah i just laid out i 100 agree and like the last of us is a good example because the last of us plays very much like a movie anyways so it would be very easy to just take the source material and turn it live action mm -hmm. but there was stuff that they added like the episode with um bill and frank i think that's their names was totally like added and it was 100 beautiful and great and then there was like a new character they added too which i didn't think was needed but it kind of like portrayed the severity of the loss of like humanity so it like really helped the story even though it wasn't part of the original source material um and another another fair point uh and brandon brings this up himself is maybe it's unfair to compare something as heavy and narratively driven as the last of us to you know a more less narratively driven uh series like <laughs> mario or zelda for yeah. that matter um yeah. and uh i'm also seeing here as well like the last of us did have the luxury of having you know eight hours to tell its story which which does true. help very true um but that being said, like I, I really, basically, the rest of of his uh, of his um, pitch here isn't like a plot pitch or anything, but just kind of reaffirming the the ideas that we just talked about here. I I really agree with that. Like I think that you want to, like I said, like I think if you get distracted by like, oh, I got to make sure that this fits into the Zelda lore, or oh, like I got to make sure that we have this in here for Zelda fans, or like, oh, we got to like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you just got to tell a good story. Tell a, tell a good story and then bring in some Zelda stuff to augment that story. But you got to tell a good story. And if you do, that is going to be how you expand the brand by just making something that everybody wants to watch, you know? Yeah, especially if you're not a Zelda fan and you see this movie and it makes you want, you're like, wow, this was such a good story. I wonder, I wonder what the games are like, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there we go. Um, okay, let's... Uh, Let's move on here. This is this is a doozy by uh, by Nick Miller. Holy moly! 
All right. Do you want me to read this one? Let's go. Yeah, let's let's skim it. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able, we'll see. <laughs> okay, Nick Miller says, The mysterious Yiga clan has begun attacking outskirt villages, searching... This sounds more like a movie pitch. This is a movie so, pitch. <laughs> searching for a sage who knows the locations of three spiritual stones that endow the bear with power. They want to use this power to rule over Hyrule. Meanwhile, the leader of the Gerudo, Ganondorf, travels to Hyrule Castle to pledge his allegiance to the king and promise Gerudo aid in sniffing out the Yiga threat. He takes a temporary position on the royal court and frequently butts heads with the outspoken Princess Zelda, which develops into a subplot where Ganondorf uses deceptive tactics to convince the king that the Sheikah have ties to the Yiga clan, causing him to exile them and drive them into hiding. The <laughs> with the king's secret service gone... This makes them more susceptible to attack, which will play a role in the movie's climax. This is like a That's, whole... This is like a whole, whole Wikipedia summary. This is <laughs> like a great summary, by the way. Yeah, awesome. I don't know if I can like just skim this. Yeah. All right. So, and this is like the prologue, by the way. It, this right? is like, like Adriel, you know, setting up her, her uh, cyberpunk. cyberpunk story. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, a teenage boy in Ordon Village named Link is delivering produce and Ordon goat cheese to Castletown. After a fateful encounter with Princess Zelda in the town's marketplace, Link recounts dreams he's have it, been having of the Yiga attack, and Zelda, having had visions of her own, perceives Link to be the hero of destiny. It sets him out to retrieve the spiritual stones to return them to the castle for safekeeping from the Yiga. His travels take him all across Hyrule to the Gorons, Zora, and others. This is like... This is like pretty standard Zelda game too. Like this is, this could be easily a game. This is a Zelda game. Like this, this, I think that there's maybe a bit too much going on here for for a movie. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, like I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but like there's like there's the spirit realm. There's the Triforce. You got uh, you got like the Sheikah coming in here. You've got Koyum, Kote, Kylia, the Master Sword, Onyx, Varen. Naboru, there's a lot going on here, and it's all, it yeah. sounds awesome, but I I do wonder if this is is maybe a bit too much for for a movie. maybe one movie. What if this could be like a trilogy though? Um, well, I mean he he is pitching a trilogy actually, but I don't oh, know okay, if okay. like let's... the if this is just like movie one or if it's like the whole shebang. Okay, let's continue. The movie climaxes with the Yiga clan attacking Hyrule Castle shortly after Link returns with the Spiritual Stones. Link is able to defeat Master Koga, but is ultimately overpowered by Ganondorf, who reveals himself to be the true leader of the Yiga. Big surprise there. Ganondorf then murders the king. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Damn. Link and Zelda... <laughs> I know, that got, that, that got heavy really quick. Link and Zelda pursue Ganondorf as he uses the stones to open the door to the spiritual realm and obtain the Triforce. However, the Triforce fragments, leaving Ganondorf with only a fraction of the power. Link and Zelda narrowly escape to Kakariko Village where they regroup, and with the exiled Sheikah in the cata catacombs beneath the village. Okay, okay so, this, no. so this is movie one. Yeah, Nick is That would be movie one. Yeah. Okay. The that's, next that's movie is in the... <laughs> yeah. The next movies in the trilogy reveal that Link and Zelda obtain the other pieces of the Triforce. Link will travel across a monster-infested Hyrule, gathering the sages and collecting the Master Sword. Zelda will travel under the guise of Sheik to rally the remaining factions of Hyrule as she discovers her own powers as a sage and as a descendant of the goddess Hylia. 
There will be there will include a subplot about Nibiru leading a Gerudo rebellion against Ganondorf. I love that. Komei and Kotake will would play a significant role in the, that story along with other classic Zelda baddies like General Onox and Varen who would be pursuing Link and Zelda respectively. Boom. This is like That's if a you heck took of a pitch. You know what? This is like if you took all the plots of the Zelda games and you gave it to a computer and you were like create a create a plot for me for a movie. Yeah, hey, you know what? This is a like it I sounds like a very cool game. It it's very yeah. detailed. Um, I I think my critique is that I don't think I don't think that like we should be planning for like a, a trilogy of movies. I think you make one movie, one great movie at a time, and maybe you make a sequel. And maybe if that movie is awesome, maybe you make another sequel. Or maybe if the mm -hmm. first movie is so awesome. You make two sequels back to back, Pirates of the Caribbean style. But I, um, I really don't like like leaving the first movie just like ending like that. Because I mean, basically, it kind of ends like there is there is a battle, there's a there's a murder, there's a, but there's no, there's <laughs> you know, I, I guess like Ganondorf, yeah, he has only a fraction of his power. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I want kind of like a more. Um, completed like I, like like i said like i think that you can leave like some clues and some some hints as to what you potentially want the next movie to be but mm -hmm. um i i do think that they should make like one solid movie at a time um i love the idea about the niboru plot line though that sounds great yeah that's super cool running the rebellion against ganondorf that i wish that'd I, awesome. I wish i was more prominent in ocarina of time to be honest mm -hmm. um yeah. I really like the concept of this and how it kind of takes a lot of the, the Zelda stories that we know and puts it into one kind of like overarching saga plot. I really like that. And I think that, you know, I would love if that happened, but I I kind of agree with you where you have to be realistic. They need to, because we've seen franchises fail. We've seen like some good examples are the Purchase Jackson movies, the, uh, Fantastic Beast movies, the uh, Divergent series, they all had these the dream to have like five plus movies mm -hmm. and then they couldn't get it done because the, some of the movies bombed and they decided to scrap it. And that kind of like that kind of sucks because you're looking forward to a whole series of movies. And let's say the first well, one of this trilogy doesn't do well, then yeah. you don't get the rest of the trilogy. The thing, too, is like if, if you're going in and making a movie with the expectation that you're going to be making five movies instead you're not necessarily giving like all the the best moments and the best possible like everything to the to the first movie, right? So like mm -hmm. I, I really feel like you gotta make one movie at a time, make the best possible movie that you can be, load it up with everything that you think is awesome that you'd want across an entire trilogy. Pick the best mm -hmm. parts of the, the things that you'd want from a trilogy, put it into your first movie. And yeah. if that first movie's great, come up with some new ideas and put it into your second movie. And if mm -hmm. that movie's great, do it again. Um Yeah. I, I will say I, I think I would prefer a Zelda movie to be a little bit more simple um, and, and focus a little bit more on the characters rather than the series of events that's happening. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I and I think there's a fine balance between that. But um, I, I would like I think it's personally more engaging to to learn about the world, learn about like Link, learn about how he interacts with Zelda, what Zelda's all about. Um, maybe, you know, what, what kind of drives Ganondorf and then kind of, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I want the idea 
my, my the first Zelda movie to just like establish these characters, establish the world, establish the Triforce as like this big kind of deal and and yeah, I, I guess like I, I think maybe what I'm trying to say is I, I think maybe simpler is is better for your first Zelda movie. Um, mm-hmm. Just because like like again like when I was watching the second Sonic movie, I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, there's just like all this, sh- this stuff everywhere, and like like the <laughs> Sonics like it was it was too much, and I was just like, all right, what like I I prefer the more kind of <laughs> like just I was like just keep it simple, man. Like just make it digestible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a struggle with that too with like. Whenever you start a new series, there always has to be the origin story. And I feel like we get origin story fatigue a lot in media, especially because of Marvel. There's so many heroes where you have to have an origin story for them. And so I think what this idea is, is that it's like already having an established world and like having all this conflict in it and having a great saga, which would be so cool. But you do Mm kind of have to, if you're going to start a movie franchise for this, this series... Whether you just do the one or you decide to continue, you do kind of have to have the 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 simple origin story. Yeah, um, and like you, like I know people like cringe when they hear origin story, but like I I do think like I don't think that you want to go back to Brandon's point, like just make a movie designed to sell like Zelda games or whatever, like like because I think that's a valid critique that the Mario movie felt like it was trying to expand the brand, but like mm-hmm. I do think that you you do want to make it digestible and can consider like new audiences as well. I, I think that's probably an important part, but like it's a very fine line because you want to make, you want to make a movie for Zelda fans too, but you want yeah. to make it digest. So I think you just got to boil down everything to it's like most pure absolute essence. And then that, that's what you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, this is a pitch from Shaquille who, who doesn't have any particular um, actually plot points here. But is rather kind of uh, kind of talking about some things that she would just like to see just in general in the movie, and I have I have I take big umbrage with one of the lines in here already. I'm sure you could tell what it is. Um, here we go. Looking at successful gaming films like the Super Mario Bros. movie or Sonic the Hedgehog, as well as disastrous video game adaptations like Warcraft, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, or the okay. ever cringeworthy Super Mario Bros. from 1993. Aww. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> all three of those supposedly bad movies are like infinitely better than Mario and Sonic and I you, I'll put I'll put my name to that. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Spirits Within is actually a really really cool movie. Um and, okay. and that's just like that the the thing about Final Fantasy is that like each game is different so they went like really different and made their own thing but in a, in a vacuum it's actually a cool movie and the Warcraft movie is a lot better than people think. Um, and, and the Warcraft movie is actually a really good example of what we were just talking about because that movie, while good, I, I do think like that's that's something where you want to be careful of like really pouring too much of your like lore or making a movie specifically for fans of your of your genre. I, I don't think it walked that line quite well enough because like I was watching it and I was like, if I don't if I don't play Warcraft, I, I have a tough time understanding like who some of these people are, what what everything mm-hmm. is. I don't think they boiled it down enough to its essence, but I it was still fun. It was still a fun movie. Um Anyways, so I feel like, uh, this is Shaquille again, I feel like Nintendo has plenty of examples of what direction to take for success. In my opinion, if they want to create a saga of movies, they would start with the basics of the Zelda formula that will bring the old fans familiarity and also provide lore explanation for new fans. Yep. Hey, Love that's that. what we were just saying. Love yeah, it. that's awesome. I forgive you for what you said about the the 1993 Mario Bros. movie, Shaquille. <laughs> um, 
I would, yeah, I would seriously just love to see an original story that gives Princess Zelda and Link ample screen time, dives into their relationship with each other, as well as the significance of the curse that keeps them bound together throughout time. It doesn't have to be Skyward Sword retold, but some mention of the two significant characters in I rule and their eternal roles to play as the spirit of the hero and blood of the goddess. That, that damn, that sounds, that's a good line. That's a mm-hmm. great line, Shkel. Damn. Would be amazing. Um... It would be even more amazing if we got mentions of previous incarnate. You know, I actually think that we should not just like take. I think that we should just maybe take that incarnation stuff and, and put on the back burner for now. Maybe you could bring it back later, but that that's a lot to digest. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's not actually. Maybe you could say like the spirit of the hero or the the blood of the goddess. Like I mean, that's runs kind of how you. a lot of Zelda games go, where like Ocarina of Time and like yeah. Wind Waker is like, oh, you are like the spirit of the hero. I didn't re- like the King of Reliance is totally using Link throughout it, and then he comes to find out that he is the spirit of the hero, and the King of Reliance is like, oh, cool. It just so happens that this kid I was using yeah. is the spirit of the hero. So yeah, I think it's easy to just be like. I feel like that's an easy story element to use. Just be like, you're the incarnation of like the hero from the past. You have the spirit of the hero, therefore mm. you can win this battle. It's easy. Um, yeah, just to finish up, um, I would love to see the Triforce included. Ganondorf as a main villain and just a classic tale told with new incarnation of all these characters we know and love. Honestly, I'm not going to be too picky about the story points. I just want to see this movie... Um, uh, emanate the emotions, charm, and adventurous vibes that the game provide for all of us who love them dearly. Um, yeah, honestly, that's that's pretty that's pretty spot on to what I'm looking for in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I think you you make it really digestible. You make it easy. You you got to walk that line between making it accessible for new people, but like giving fans what they want, but also like having something to say, right? Like, because I feel like that's one critique about the Mario movie that I feel like is valid, the the new Mario movie, is it? it's kind of like eating McDonald's. Like, it goes down easy, it tastes good, but it's not like it's filling and you're probably going to have to go to the bathroom after, you know, a little bit. It, it's just kind of like, it's it's fine. Like, it's a good way to spend 90 minutes, but, like, does, does it leave you thinking about it after? I'm not sure it does. Uh, and I'm not saying every movie, like, has to be Inception where you're just like, oh, is the thing spinning or not spinning? But, like, I, I do, I do kind of like the idea that, like, maybe you have some stuff to talk about and like there's i don't know like something that sticks with you and has a little bit of depth to it so i it is a very fine line that they need to walk mm-hmm. we've got two left here al should we just power through i think let's we power, power through. through okay a twist on a classic to hit that sweet spot this is from charles um when i think of legends as film adaptations i don't envision them being live action instead i think of paintings or ink illustrations that you might find inside a fantasy book so i had full creative control of the zelda movie i would oh if i had full creative control i'd scrap the live action approach and steer towards an animated film um unfortunately we don't we don't have that uh charles gives an example of uh, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, saying, <laughs> "I've heard that's can actually we, a really good movie." I actually, you know, I've heard it is a fine movie as well. But like, come on, sorry, I'm like yelling at people. Sorry, <laughs> um, Zelda fans, we got to get over this, okay? Like, I don't know, like, a, a live, uh, an animated movie would have been fine. It would have been safe. It would have been predictable. Mm. It would, it would have been fine. But like, you have a chance to have like a really, really spectacular, like live action franchise here and like i i just i i don't get it like why not swing for the fences and go for it and like mm-hmm. maybe you're not going to make the next lord of the rings but wouldn't you rather try to make the next lord of the rings rather than just make like 
Puss in Boots, Zelda style? Like, come on. Uh, I mean, okay, listen, I haven't seen it, but I do want to see it because I've heard that it does have the elements you were just talking about. It, it is kind of deep. It does kind of make you, you know, talk about it in the end. So I, what I'm if being it told as animated? we speak that Puss in Boots is unironically amazing. No disrespect to Puss in Boots, okay? I've got nothing against <laughs> Puss in Boots. I've got nothing but respect for Puss in Boots. But, <laughs> like, come on. Like, it, guys, it wasn't going to be Studio Ghibli making the Zelda movie if it was animated. It wasn't. So like, mm-hmm. let's leave that in the past. It was never going to happen. That's my rant. Okay, let's continue. Sorry to Al <laughs> and Puss in Boots. I'm so lost now. Hold on, let me get my place back. Uh, besides ba- making a bold art statement, I want the plot to be interesting too. I wouldn't want a movie that is just an exact retelling of a game we've already played. What I'm visualizing is some sort of altered version of Ocarina of Time. I don't really have a fleshed out plot figured out but i do have some major story moments in mind um unlike the games which never show link's real parents i'd want the story to begin introducing link growing up alongside them these scenes would show them as a loving family living in hyrule castle town link's father is the highest ranking knight in the royal family and is considered to the uh, a great swordsman unfortunately tragedy strikes when ganondorf leads his gerudo army to attack hyrule i think that that idea is kind of interesting because Link's father is a knight or was a knight in the the Switch Zeldas. Zelda mm. talks to Link and says, "If your father wasn't a knight, would you have become one?" You know. Yeah. So I do always wonder about like Link's family and where he came from, his origin, his origins. I can't talk because of this reading. <laughs> um, you know, before the before the tragedy strikes, as Charles says. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, you know what? Like, I I think that that's like I, I think it would be fine. But like, I I'm I don't know if I'm like busting down the door like really just excited to see like oh yeah Link's dad and Link's mom. <laughs> um, and maybe that's just because we haven't seen it in the game, so it's just like harder to accept something that you don't know. That that could be possible. But mm-hmm. I I have to I have to admit I I don't know that that necessarily excites me a whole lot. I, if I'm being totally honest, I would be. I would be really looking at Ocarina of Time to set up the the stage for like wh- who's Link is, where he is, and all of that kind of stuff. But but this could be interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, this I, it kind of sounds like his parents. Um. When tragedy strikes, his parents is kind of a driving factor for Link's character. Yeah. So it says Link and his mother, along with the other townsfolk, are ordered to flee as they are escaping. They witness Link's father and Ganondorf lock in combat. Watching as Ganondorf slays him, Link's mother also gets shot with an arrow. Crossfire during the escape. Gosh, Jeez. this is this is rough. This is like Boromir taking three arrows from the Urukai. <laughs> So, with her dying breath, she urges Link to run to Faron Woods and hide. In that moment, Link vows to avenge them while wandering deep into the forest. He finds the Master Sword and draws it from its pedestal, but falls into a catatonic state when until he's old enough to wield the blade. So, I mean, it's kind of like, got his driving force for revenge, but then he also finds the, the thing he needs to, to uh, get that revenge, but he's not ready for it. Right. Right, right, right. Um... Yeah, okay. I think that's good, like, starter kind of uh, bit for a movie, kind of like the opening telling opening exposition. Act, yeah. And then when we 
begin, Link is probably going to be adult. So when Link awakes, he finds Ganondorf has taken over the kingdom. The royal family, including Princess Zelda, are all thought to be dead, and the land is overrun by monsters. Link joins a group of resistance members to uh, Ganondorf's rule, led by a warrior named Sheik. So yeah, this is very much like... He's saying this is that like Ocarina Ocarina of Time on yeah, like an yeah. alternate version of Ocarina of Time to kind of tell his story, which I kind of dig because I do think Ocarina yeah. of Time would be a good starting point for a story, but it but you need to change it enough that it tells the story versus you experiencing it through the game. So I think this is a good way to do that. Um. Yeah. You know, like if if I had my ideal scenario, I think. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that I would be down for, like, a, a Lord of the Rings-style, like, prequel. Or not prequel, like, the you know, the sequence at the very beginning where Gladriel's telling you the, the lore mm-hmm. of the world, basically. I right. would be down for that with a Zelda movie, and maybe, like, a, a really, like, a like a, a fifth of the time. You remember in Man of Steel at the beginning where uh, they're on Krypton and, like, the world's ending and stuff like that? It's okay, a really great I, sequence, actually. Can I confess something? I went on a date to see that movie when it came out. And I fell asleep. <laughs> well, that's better. Anyway, <laughs> I was gonna say I thought. So it you're might be... like, so you're like, you know when? And I'm like, I totally fell asleep through that movie. <laughs> well, sorry, I don't understand your example. <laughs> at least you, um, at least you only fell asleep, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't another way that you were watching the movie. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, let's keep going here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, anyways, so it's like a, it's almost like a half an hour sequence showing like the, the destruction of Krypton and like, uh, Mm -hmm. Jor-El and, and whatever Superman's mom is like sending him to earth or whatever. And it's a really cool sequence, but like, I, I could be down for a sequence like that. That's like a couple minutes, like a couple minutes max. Cause I, I guess like, I just don't like their original characters. So we don't have a whole lot of attachment to, to those characters of, of like Link's parents I'm talking about, but maybe the movie mm-hmm. could do a good yeah. job and, and just make us care about them. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, that, that could be fine. Um, it also says that like, so he joins the forces and he has the master sword. So they have hope that he can kill Ganondorf, but he's also gra- grappling with a lot of rage and hatred. So he kind of like has issues with his judgment and it's like really preventing him from using the master sword to repel evil. So eventually this draws out dark link prompting him to duel for his life with the physical manifestation of all the bad parts of himself that he was repressing. After conquering Dark Link in this duel, Link can use the Master Sword to its full potential. And then at last, Sheik launches the incursion of Ganondorf's Tower, where Link and his comrades fight their way through a gauntlet of foes as they head up to the tower. Um, with each level, the members staying behind to fight monster hordes until only Sheik and Link are able to make it up to battle Ganondorf. And then I, the last honestly, part, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think the pacing sounds good for a movie, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like it, and also like having Link struggle with you know the idea of revenge, not and that's like he prohibiting him like, uh, using Anakin the Skywalker. And I know I was two. thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> um, I I do have one one critique though, or one change that I think would be very important to make, and that is. Um, Am I jumping ahead? Did you read the end here, Al? I'm sorry. I haven't read the end yet. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Before entering to face Ganondorf, Sheik reveals to, 
to Link that she is actually Princess Zelda going forward to fight Ganondorf with these three together. The Triforce unites and Ganondorf tells a tale about long ago forcing open the sacred realm to use the Triforce, Triforce to grant a wish, but his wish was rejected because his heart was not balanced. Everything he had done since the day was since that day was leading to this moment where he knew the two had had the missing Triforce virtues would appear to face him. Sorry, the sentence was weird. I'm uh, struggling here. Uh, in the end, Link and Zelda prevail, weakening Ganondorf enough to steal him away. Yeah, I, like I said, I think that that sounds pretty cool. There's there's two things that I um, would have a, a critique with or change. The first being, I think that uh, so obviously for Zelda fans, like the Sheik reveal would be would be cool to see on screen. But yeah. if I'm reading this correctly, you don't see Princess Zelda proper at all until, until that reveal. And I don't think you want to do that. I mm-hmm. I don't think that you want to establish that character like as not Princess Zelda for the movie. Like I I think I would just have it where like Zelda just <laughs> leads the resistance. Like why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that'd be one thing. Second thing, I, I think you better move that uh, that tale about Ganondorf kind of explaining the Triforce. I think that would be a big old like momentum sucker at the end if you're yeah. just kind of getting the lore of what the triforce does you got to have that way earlier in the movie yeah I way think. earlier yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree yeah pr- a pretty cool pitch i mean it's pretty faithful to ocarina of time adds in some uh some other elements that i like so um yeah that's uh, that sounds pretty cool i like it i like it too good Dig job it. charles um see see there's potential in a great live action movie that's what i'm talking about charles <laughs> yes <laughs> Okay, this is the last one. We're, we're going a little bit long here, but uh, these are all, like, very cool. And this is from Alex, who uh, is watching us right now. Indulge the fan base and the box office will follow. Um, and this is another... Oh, my God, this is the longest one by far. So let's... Uh, I guess it's good that I got this one, hey? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Alex wants to cultivate a Zelda movie that indulges her own wants while also meeting the expectations of the fan base at large, which, as she acknowledges and as we've said multiple times on this show, no easy task. That is a very, very fine line to watch, or to walk, rather. Um, so here we go. The Legend of Zelda Seeds of War. Hell yeah. We tell an origin story that takes artistic liberty to showcase parts of Zelda history that haven't been played out on screen yet. Um, so let's... Let's go here. Um, so, so yeah, Alex is kind of laying out what we've kind of already known, that this is going to be a tough line to walk. Let's get to the, the premise of the story. Um, the Zelda franchise is one that is already steeped heavily in lore, so I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be taken advantage of. The Zelda timeline, although often argued to be convoluted and thus without value, has some gaps that I think would be most appropriately explored on the silver screen. Large franchise-dependent events such as the creation of the Land of Hyrule, the establishment of the kingdom, or the Hyrulean Civil War are perfect as adventures that do not require a single-player experience. Because of how popular Ocarina of Time is, I think that uh, the Civil War that precedes the events of Ocarina of Time would be absolutely perfect. It's it's enough of the gray area where you could take some of these liberties and get away with them. Um, So the loose pitch is this. Uh, Would evolve the movie would follow Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf's origins. Okay. Um, it would be a triangular view of Hyrule. Zelda's parents, the king and queen of Hyrule, know about the sacred realm and would be trying to protect it from the revolting Hylians. Ganondorf, likely already born, would be shown growing up in the Gerudo amongst the, the winds of ruin, as discussed in The Wind Waker. We should see how he came to resent the kingdom of Hyrule. Lastly, 
we would have also an interconnected within the tale of Link's parents, his father, who we know nothing of yet, and his mother, who would eventually give her life to get the child to safety in Kokiri Forest. In fact, the movie would end with that iconic imagery of the Deku Tree connecting the vast tale to that fan favorite, Ocarina of Time. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to be honest, I was ready to kind of dump on this when I when I heard that it was going to take place in like in the official timeline. I, I can be down with that. I can be down with that. I like the idea that maybe you see the interwoven tales of, of all three. I Actually, I, I kind of think that that's kind of cool. Um, I guess... Um, I guess my my thing would be... Um, I don't know, like, what what, what kind of happens at the end? Like, do we do we have a convergence of all these characters? Like, because it sounds like you're setting up to get to Ocarina of Time, but then you, like... You need to have a payoff if you're gonna if you're gonna do that. I don't think you could make a movie and then say at like the end, like to find out the whole experience, <laughs> go buy Ocarina of Time available now for <laughs> Nintendo 3DS or whatever, right? So like I, I think uh-huh. you do have to have like some sort of payoff and some sort of um uh what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like some sort of end game in mind there. Um even if you are telling a prequel story, right? So and, and obviously like these are generalized pitches, so there's lots of you know, lots of uh, room to to kind of make that. I guess mm-hmm. I would just be curious to see what that is because it sounds like our our heroes and villains in this case are very much separated. And I and I think that that could be cool, but I do think that they're like a big part of like what is going to make this movie like really spectacular is is seeing the interaction between all three. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe I don't know. Maybe you save that for the climax of the movie because like when you watch Game of Thrones or whatever, like when all those characters do come together, it's really cool. Right, mm-hmm. like so, maybe maybe you kind of have that same kind of thing, but yeah, I was uh, I was ready to not like this, Alex. I gotta be honest with you, but not too bad, not too bad at all. I like the idea of like picking a piece of the timeline where it's more like it's more like you open the Hyrule Historia and you see an aspect of the timeline that isn't a game, but it's like talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's saying here. Like you would take the Hyrulean Civil War before Ocarina of Time and turn that into your movie. I like that idea, but I would struggle with if you're just kind of like watching the characters grow a little bit before the epic moments of Ocarina of Time. I think it would be interesting from Ganondorf's perspective, but it wouldn't as much from Zelda and Link's perspective because they are very little compared to Ganondorf. Ganondorf has a whole life before that game, um, whereas the other two don't. So you wouldn't really see a lot from the two main characters of the Zelda series. So I think I would struggle with that a little bit. But I do like the idea of picking from the timeline something that hasn't been portrayed in a game and making a story out of it, as long as it has... You know the two main characters in it. I I want to actually be clear on something and elaborate on something. I I hate the idea of taking like from the official timeline itself. Like I would I would absolutely hate the idea that like a movie should or has to fit in the timeline. That being said, like I do think that you could potentially look at that timeline as a resource and say like this period would be an interesting period to tell our standalone individual story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and maybe, like, once the first movie's good, it's like, okay, maybe we kind of adapt the best parts of Ocarina of Time for the screen, and, like, that's the second. But I, I do, I kind of agree. Like, I, I think it sounds like a really awesome first half, but I think you need to have, like, a, a compelling second half in order to mm-hmm. to bring all those, because you have all the ingredients. You just need to bring them, you need to bring them together. You need to cook soup. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I didn't know, I didn't think that we were going to have enough to talk about today, but holy moly. 
this is yep. uh this is great this, was a, this, this is a great article. work yeah this is and honestly like i know that we we were kind of um you know with some of these pitches as i knew that we would right like we were just like ah, i don't like that i don't like this i don't like that i think that like all of these pitches are are like amazing in their own right and it's honestly super super trust me i i made this cyberpunk like pitch a couple weeks ago right it's really tough to make a really compelling pitch and really like good ideas and stuff like that so i honestly like every one of these has like certain elements that i think would be cool and could be very cool um and you know like like we talked about i was like hey help me fill in all of the blanks because there's a lot of them on on the pitch yeah so, so i mean shout out to our writing team they you know i i know i i put them over all the time but i'm gonna do it again they do an awesome job and it's uh like i said it, it's it's not easy to come up with a movie pitch right like i mm-hmm. think my movie pitch would be i don't even know like i like it's it's tough to think about right yeah i agree i'm not very good at that kind of thing so i appreciate these guys for giving us something to talk about they did a really really good job yeah they they did a good job uh, i and i think they gave us a heck of a lot to talk about which i am obviously super thankful for so um mm-hmm. yeah go go and read this article yourself we, we kind of only skimmed through it. we didn't give all these pitches the the amount of justice that it deserved the article will be linked in the episode notes so please go and check it out lots and lots and lots of cool stuff um over on here and we should also give a shout out to uh to judy calder who who curated this whole thing um so mm-hmm. so good job jc um yeah this is uh I know I said it earlier, but man, I'm excited for for the Zelda movie. I just I think it's gonna be so interesting. There's so many like, just like super super compelling directions that that they could go, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I just I think it's like one of the most fascinating things to see what Nintendo decides to do because this could this could have a really big effect on like the future. Like if this is a success, maybe they're making a Metroid movie. Maybe they're making a Fire Emblem movie. Very true, you know what yeah. I mean? Like. Um, so lots, lots is riding on this movie. So it's, it's super interesting. And I, and I love the story of this. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again to our writing staff for, uh, for providing us a ton of material to talk about today. That was awesome. Um, we are going to get out of here, but I'll tell you what, if you want to see more of Al and I, we, uh, we actually just, uh, negotiated before we started the show we're going to be getting back together to do another episode of the zelda cast top tens and that is available over on our patreon go check it out it's linked in the show notes while you're there give us a follow on social media we're at the zelda cast at spateri 316 at allison letha basically everywhere twitter blue sky threads i haven't been on threads in months but uh, we we are there uh, so go check <laughs> us out uh give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts like subscribe rate recommend review all of that fun stuff if you have a zelda fan in your life tell them where they can get their weekly zelda fix right here on the zelda cast and zeldadungeon.net uh and that my friends is going to do it for us we will be back here next week we are in nintendo direct territory it's officially february let's cross our fingers and uh get our hopes up because I do think that we have something coming soon, so uh, I'm very excited. It's a very exciting time to be a fan of Zelda, so lots and lots and lots of cool stuff coming in the future. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. So until then, everybody, take care.